senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 73, and we're trying a bold fucking experiment here yep. at the Crisis on Infinite Midlives <laughs> studio. If you've been listening for any length of time, you know we have a mascot, Parker the Kitten. We have elected for the first time in quite a long time to leave the studio door open. <laughs> so he is in here. The last time we tried it, he crawled over everything. Every piece of recording equipment, every computer, basically doing the cat equivalent of, look at me, damn it, look at me, <laughs> look at me! But it is raining like hell here in Boston. We can't really keep the window open because of it. It's about 726% humidity today, so he seems pretty mellow right now, so we're going to take a chance <laughs> that this little black cat will not destroy everything that we love and ruin the show right in the middle of it, or... Even better, erase it when it's two-thirds done. Yeah. But, We're going to hope for the best here. Yeah, right now, he's uh, <laughs> wandering around sticking his head in a paper bag. <laughs> he, he looks like he's growing bored. I don't want to do a play-by-play of what the cat's doing. I really don't, it, think, I don't think that's going to entertain anybody other than us. Unless it becomes a catastrophe. Yeah. So, is he under the table? No, he's headed toward the door. Okay, And now right. he's going into the second bedroom. So Okay. <laughs> all right. That calls for a beer. Here we go. <laughs> So, yes, hopefully for the first time, this room will not feel like a uh, stuffy mess in the summertime when we're recording. So <laughs> we're going to hope for the best. Don't worry. You, you will hear catastrophe if it happens. Yes. Yeah. Other than the cat being in here and he left really quickly. It's, <laughs> it's, I really hadn't given a lot of thought to the intro of the show this week <laughs> because we spent so much. This has a potential for being a really long show. We may have to cut pieces of it as, as it goes along. We got a couple of main topics. Yes. We got three books that we want to talk about. I suppose the one thing I should reannounce is right now the plan still is we're going to take a bye week on the show next week. So right now we don't have a show scheduled for June 7th, 2015. If something big comes up, we may take something short during the week. If the upgrade process to our website and the software that puts the MP3 out on the feed, if that all goes smoothly and can be done all in one shot on Saturday and leave Sunday open, we may get one up. But for right now, Somehow figure out the, the week of June 7th. You're just going to have to learn how to get by without us. We're very sorry, but we'll try to come back as soon as possible. Yeah, no matter what, we'll be back the 14th. <laughs> no, unless the, the cat does a, I don't know, what's a wrestling move? I don't follow a lot of wrestling right onto the board and uh, destroys it. <laughs> I, I don't want to contemplate what he could do to the board to destroy it. Oh, I could think of several things. I'm thinking of a word starting with P. <laughs> That'd be pretty effective. It would be pretty effective. Don't give him ideas. He's a smart guy. <laughs> He's a cat. He's not that fucking smart. <laughs> Please, God, don't let him be that smart. He's pretty smart. I'll wake up with one claw to a carotid going, car keys, old man. Do it now. <laughs> All right. So you, you want to just get into it since it yeah, looks like it's going to be let's do this. enough chit-chat, God damn it. But Let's get to getting. Yeah. So if you listen to last week's show, one thing it was almost a throwaway thing toward the end because it was based on a rumor that at the time was just a rumor that I saw on bleedingcool.com that DC Comics was thinking about maybe adding half-page ads to their comic books. 
So you get half a page of art and half a page of ads. That's okay. Headphones are only uh, keeping them on your head is optional. <laughs> I had an itch. <laughs> I could have gotten through that. Nobody would have known. I know. <laughs> this is not a visual medium. <laughs> this isn't TV. Thank God, because I haven't showered in days. I'm just. Get your hand out of your pants. No. No. <laughs> you go to hell. Anyway, DC had a rumor going they were going to do half-page ads. And it, suffice it to say, when I mentioned it on the show, was that the first you heard of it, Amanda? Yeah, I think it was. And I reacted somewhat vehemently. You, uh, yes, <laughs> to, to say the least. I believe you announced loudly that you would never again give your business to anybody who did the Participated in the ad advertising, yeah. Yeah, now... Let's just be clear and say that this doesn't apply to DC Comics. Um, it no. would be much more effective to boycott DC Comics to make them stop doing this. The reality is... Uh, we need to buy the books so that we can talk about them on the show. Yeah, we are. We're still small fry, <laughs> and the big two are not exactly fire and free review copies at us. Especially if we start bitching about their ad policies. Yeah. So, <laughs> But yes, that ad policy... It's not technically a policy, but the half-page ad is a thing that's going to be happening. Earlier this week, Chris Burnham, the, the artist on Batman Incorporated, and he's also the co-creator of Nameless with Grant Morrison, uh, he tweeted a picture of uh, one of his comp books. I believe it was identified online as Omega Men, but it yes. doesn't really fucking matter. Apparently, right. it's, it's going to be across a lot of books. Yeah, it's, a, it's happening. It's an ad for Twix. It's across the bottom of two facing pages. It's a it's an ad for Twix that that currently shows up in a variety of magazine publications, and it's designed specifically to be a half page ad so that they can do whatever moronic <laughs> left Twix versus right Twix yeah <laughs> nonsense yeah. So this <laughs> this particular one uh, shows Nick Lachey, uh, best known for good decisions like. Marrying Jessica Simpson as opposed to just <laughs> jacking off over the cover art to the Blu-ray for the Dukes of Hazard like everybody else did. <laughs> yeah, he's down there apparently heavily photoshopped, arguing over which Twix bar is best, the left one or the right one. Now Burnham has since deleted those tweets. How do you choose which Twix is best? I mean, isn't that kind of like, you know, which of my nuts is best? Like, like... left. <laughs> Don't be stupid about this. And this is why I'm not a guy. <laughs> The left one, it's at least more outspoken and prominent. <laughs> I don't want to get too far into this. I'll draw you a diagram later, but... Rob has apparently had conversations with his nuts. Every dude has. <laughs> yeah, mostly it's like, please don't be bleeding when I land on the crossbar <laughs> of my bike or something. They're, not, they're, they're never good conversations. <laughs> it's never, who's a good nut? Who's a good... That doesn't happen. <laughs> but it's like, all right, buddy, let's just get through this. <laughs> <laughs> without my having to throw up or or pee anything of an odd color. Please don't be awfully contused. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll go right back to sitting quietly on the couch and <laughs> drinking beer and not injuring you. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, well, I try to protect you from these horrors. I don't have these conversations with my boobs. I really don't. <laughs> uh, th there's a capacity for grievous injury. Where there doesn't need to be nearly as much negotiation. Apparently. Yeah, if you've never worn boxers and sat wrong, yeah, these conversations happen. <laughs> they I... start with an apology, and then there's negotiation. It's really the five stages of grief in a single conversation. 
starts. Does it end with a gunshot? Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Several parts of my body just went, no, no. Just how did I lose control of this? (laughs) Nuts. Right. Nuts, sweetheart. Oh, I had the conversation about D. Right. D? (laughs) D's not. Oh, Oh, Jesus. I really am the worst person in the world. You are. All right. So, yeah, that was how the story actually broke. It started with a rumor. Uh, Burnham put out the tweet. He since deleted him. But the story was covered by Comic Book Resources Comics Beat. Uh, now, DC, uh, at the time uh, where I was researching this, so it would have been yesterday, may, they may have since, but they didn't comment to Comic Book Resources anyway. Comics Beat reported that there were people inside DC telling them that this is something that's only scheduled for June. It's for this specific ad for the books in the DCU initiative coming out directly after Convergence starting next week. So, because the best way to get people into your new storyline is to fuck up the flow of the art. Yeah, <laughs> for a variety of reasons. Hi, welcome to DC. Buy shit. Oh, what a great story! I oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, according to the original story from Bleeding Cool, artists were supposedly reporting to them that they were warned ahead of time that one of their pages was going to be split in two vertically for the advertising and to plan the layout. Horizontally, I think. Horizontally. What I say? Vertically? Yes. It's uh, the, the cat's back in here, and cat's frankly, I'm here. thinking about negotiating with my nuts at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, supposedly they were warned, cut it horizontally, and a particular page would just be split in two for for these particular ads. Okay. So, again, this is... Let, let's Let's take the... The happy view of things. Right now, it looks like this is just for a month. It's just a particular ad. It doesn't seem to be affecting the page count of the story overall, but I'll get more into that in a little bit. Which so, means, in theory, it's not affecting the the page rate at which artists are getting paid yeah, or we'll, writers. We'll, we'll also talk about that in a second. But So overall, it looks like this is just a one-off. So You know what, though? Fuck you, Twix. You're dead to me. <laughs> dead, I tell you. I'm not going to buy your shit again. Fuck you with your left and your right, okay? Well, I, I didn't realize you felt so strongly about caramel. Yeah. Their, their <laughs> caramel is caramel in just the most, like, you know, brief, basic sense of sugar product and brown coloring. Well, l- let's be fair. When it comes to the threat, you're not going to buy Twix. You don't have the biggest sweet tooth of anybody I've ever seen. Shh, the only not helping. <laughs> Doesn't matter. What are we going to lose Twix as an advertiser? <laughs> also, can we calling... talk about like how their chocolate like sucks balls? <laughs> I'm having another conversation. <laughs> the cookie parts, eh, the chocolate is horrible. It's <laughs> well, I was going to say you're not a big sweets fan to start with. So when you have sweets, you know it's Giardelli, it's Godiva, it's really hitting my wallet hard. Would it kill you to eat a Reese's for fuck's sake? Reese's okay so far, but no Twix. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think we know at this point that the chocolate I like best comes from a specialty store in Florida, and it costs about about as much to ship it up here as it does for the box itself. That's right. Because that's how I roll. That's right. It's it's hand-molded lovingly, heated from the scrotal heat of nearly (laughs) extinct birds. (laughs) Yes. And lovingly (laughs) carved into, I don't know, I can't continue this. Help me out. It's it's good chocolate. It is good chocolate, and 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 they don't put bananas in it if you ask them not to. 
And <laughs> well, that's because I'm allergic to bananas, and I appreciate your asking. Otherwise, it's potentially attempted murder, <laughs> and that will be our last show. But but anyway, fuck you, Twix. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, fuck you, Twix. <laughs> God have mercy upon your bankrupt fucking souls. <laughs> And you know what? Fuck you too, Nick Lachey, for participating <laughs> in that shit. <laughs> oh, please. The guy was in 98 Degrees, then married to Jessica Simpson. Now he's in a Twix ad. He doesn't need you to damn him. <laughs> he's well along the way. Yeah. All right. So let's just go into why this pisses us off anyway. What the yes. hell? All right. So in this particular case, what DC's doing doesn't appear to affect the page count. It's not 100% clear. Uh, it's possible that having two half pages could effectively turn a 20 page story into a 19 page one it doesn't seem likely from what everybody's reporting it looks like what they're doing is that single page they split normally would have been backed by a full page ad so now it'll just be backed by another story page so it's still going to be effectively 20 pages a story across 21 pages okay so this doesn't affect page count nope but if it were to catch on it could very easily affect page count and drop us down to 19, effectively 19 pages of story on 20 pages. Because let's face it, DC, up until about 2010, sold us 22-page stories. They dropped it to 20, and in fact dropped the, remember when they did the holding the line at 299? Right. Yeah, they dropped main stories to 20 pages and dropped backup stories in order to keep the price down. So there's already a precedent of squeezing the amount of story to keep the price at a minimum also to be on the the fair side to dc more of their books are still 2.99 they're still maintaining that for more of their books than not they do have a bunch that are four bucks but that's mostly for books that have like backup stories tacked on to the main 20 page stories and those are 3.99 yeah you know hi batman it's a, you know when it, when they chuck the extra in the back that sometimes is good sometimes Nobody is, really yeah, wants. Sometimes in me. Yeah, so it's it's utterly conceivable that DC could make the 19 page move to keep the prices low to keep differentiating themselves from Marvel because Marvel books are almost all four bucks. Right. Yeah. Really, Some of them are more than that. Oh, plenty of them are more than that. If it's anything remotely like an event, they yeah. they go one one step up in the card stock for the cover. You know. <laughs> At least nod at like chromium and make it six bucks. Five dollars. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Thank God Parker's not going to college. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, he's not going to college. Uh, yeah, we can throw our money away on this. <laughs> this doesn't affect us nearly as much as it affects a lot of people. Yeah. That to be fair, shit like this is a reason why I've said a million times through a lot of the nineties I only read Vertigo books. Because yeah, when I was in my twenties, I didn't have any fucking money. So you had to make concrete choices of, am I going to spend, at the time it was a buck and a quarter or a buck 50, mm -hmm. you know, and, and add this to what I what I spend every month on comics. Now, at this point, because we've made good life choices, <laughs> like only having a cat. Right. <laughs> it's you know, another $5 book. That's uh, not the end of the world. Doesn't feel great. I do wonder where along the line I reach the point where it's like, why is it okay for me to, to walk out of a comic store on a weekly basis, and if I, I've spent... $75. I'm like, that wasn't bad this week. And that's probably the same reason that someday I'm going to sit down at the uh, at a seat at our local wine bar and have myself a glass of the $400 Screaming Eagle because I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you give me the check for the mortgage before you fucking do that. 
<laughs> the end of the month, I don't want to hear, ooh, yeah, can you float me? Because that was an excellent ounce and a half. Of... I mean, to a certain degree, you know, this uh, bitching about, oh, it's $2.99, oh, it's $3.99, oh, my God, they charged me $5. It, it really becomes sort of like a, a first world complaint. <laughs> well, it definitely is, but it's it doesn't mean it's not valid. Right. I'm just saying in the larger scheme of things, like world hunger. Well, uh, yes. And <laughs> compared to my, the ball injuries, I we can't seem to stop talking about this week. How it's are a minor you nuts, thing. Rob? Right now, they're wicked fucking nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> they feel a little twitchy. A little twitchy. But but it, it doesn't... Look, I'll, I'll go crotchety old guy here. I'm old enough to remember when comics were a fucking quarter. Yeah. There are reasons that they aren't a quarter anymore. You know, at the time, <laughs> we'll do an interjection. Parker is on a bookshelf and has been slown, shown the slinky that he's scared of. <laughs> right now, we are at detente. Dun, 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 dun. Get uh, away from her, you bitch! <laughs> Jesus. Well, that's fine. Just eat that webcam. I'm not using it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember when comics were 25 cents. There are a lot of reasons why the rate has inflated so much over 30 years. Those comics that were a quarter... The covers were flimsy. The paper was the shittiest of newsprint. Oh, it totally was. It was the cheapest four-color separation. You know, the stereotypical icy dots that sound you hear, uh, dear listener, is the slinky to try to keep Parker. Is it, is it coming over the microphone? A uh, little bit. Compressor might take care of it. But okay. Either way, <laughs> we're in a potential potential jumper situation here. Keep Keep explaining. But... So, yeah, as as time has gone on, the comic books you get now bear almost no resemblance whatsoever to the comics that I bought when I was a kid. And part of the reason why you've got things like poly bags and mylar and backing boards is those books in the, in the Bronze Age and the Silver Age were not meant to last. So you had to do that kind of thing to keep them going. They're, the books are much better quality now. The coloring, Jesus Christ, I go back to books I read in the 80s. The coloring is a completely different experience. They look better. They're, they're stronger. It's, they're easier better on the faster. eye. <laughs> exactly. More fun at parties. <laughs> so there's a reason that price has gone up. But yeah, when you get somebody of Generation X, you hit a certain point, and I think $4 is really where it started to tweak. Yeah. That's why DC went with the holding the line at two ninety nine because it felt very much like it was a very rapid ascension. Because throughout the 70s, they went from $0.25 cents to, I think they were $0.60 cents that sounds by, right. by yeah. 1980. Through the 80s, they went up from $0.60 cents to about a buck and a quarter. And then 90s to the early 2000s, it was ding, 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 and now it's $4. Right. So uh, there are a lot of people... A lot of people who should be the target audience of comic publishers, younger people, teens, 20-somethings, for whom a $5 book, big fucking deal. Now, if you're making minimum wage at McDonald's, you have a limited number of books you can buy. That's true. Choosing a different ad layout strategy is bearable if it was going to have any kind of meaningful impact on holding the price down. But the cynic in me worries that it really is more of a, let's just get them used to this and then we'll drop the page count of the books. It's like television programming. A 60-minute show is not a 60-minute show. For a while, it was a 45-minute show. Now it's a 42-minute show. You know, it Well, yeah. <laughs> and it's the reality is for a 20-page book, those books are actually like 32 printed pages, which means you got like 12 pages of other stuff anyway. Right. 
Now, if you think about the stuff that you see in comic books, most of them are in-house ads, trade ads. You don't see a shitload of paid ads. Right. So them taking this tactic for a month to get a paid ad, all right, they pulled in a little income, I guess. All right, more power to you, but it's a slippery slope. Try to sell more of the full-page ads to to the outside. Well, and again, cynic in me. At what point do we see, rather than, you know, Nick Lachey pimping Twix, do we see Damien go, huh, you know what? I think I'm going to stop over here for a Twix, Alfred. And (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people are saying product placement is the answer. Yeah. Have Batman ride a Kawasaki motorcycle. (laughs) Have Spider-Man, I don't know, use Elmer's glue in his webbing. Stop for a Nathan's hot dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Have the Hulk wear uh, Chuck Norris action pants so they don't <laughs> blow up. Chuck Norris action pants. <laughs> there is such a thing. Really? Oh, yeah, from back in the 70s. It was uh, Chuck Norris action jeans, I think. Or they might have even been gabardine pants, which was something you never got outside of the 70s. But yeah, they had like, not Velcro, but spandex or something at, at the joints so you could kick someone in the face. And Are they like the magical tearaway pants that Dane Cook inflicts on us? Don't you dare bring Dane Cook into the show. <laughs> I don't like to picture Chuck Norris tearing his pants away either. <laughs> but no, there, there was such a thing. I'm terrified. I mean, that makes it makes as much sense as anything. Go for more actual outside advertising. I guess, but it's like anything else. I find I find all attempts at blatant advertising, including product product placement, placement, suck me out of pretty much whatever I'm watching. Um, the most, one of the most egregious cases was in the movie Twister where everything looked like a Pepsi logo, <laughs> yeah. everything like, Oh look, we, we, we've got uh data on our, from our weather satellites on, on what the inside of a Twister looked like. It turns out the inside of a tornado looks like a Pepsi logo. <laughs> Diet Pepsi tore East buttfuck Indiana, a new asshole. <laughs> God damn you, Pepsi. No wonder Joe hated them so much. I don't know why she liked Pepsi so much. You don't know what it's like to watch Pepsi kill them and them, then come after... Pepsi comes after you! Bye, Coke. Lightning. Fire. Power of God or something. Pepsi. Pepsi Harrison, run! I don't know. What, what product placement could you do in comics? Uh, I think it really depends on the story you're telling. I mean, things that... Superman's wearing a t-shirt now. He could wear Hanes. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean... <laughs> we see Commissioner Gordon Batman lubing up his jointed bat junk with Mobile One. Armor All seems to own all of the costuming decisions in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No, uh, Under Armour. I'm sorry, uh, Under Armour. Armor, Armor, <laughs> Armor All is, is for cars, right? for your dashboard, yeah. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> Wait, here, let me spray you with this. That'll protect you. <laughs> yeah, turtle wax for Iron Man. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, Under Armour could find its way into you know a panel where if you look closely enough, you see it written somewhere on the sleeve or shirt. It's possible. I mean, I, I'm not sure how viable how viable a solution that could be for comics. Because yeah, oh, well, I'm just saying, like anything where you have a city skyline or kind of you know opportunity to throw a billboard in you could actually put real advertising on the bulletin board uh, on the billboard (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
That could be how cigarettes get their foothold back. We we can't have real, (coughs) excuse me. We can't have real billboards, but oh, a lot of pollen out. A little vitamin B ought to take care of that. (laughs) Is that a beer you're drinking, Uncle Rob? (laughs) Uh, I believe it is. What the hell? Why is this button still green? I have no idea. My entire soundboard is completely fucked up. (laughs) Probably for the best for most people who listen to the show, but... (laughs) I will find a way to get some more sound effects in. I just, you know, I, I watched the message boards kind of go back and forth over this. And a lot of people are saying, oh, it's not a big deal. You just, you know, it's like banner ads at the top of computer screens now. You you just train your eyes not to look at them. And it's like, I don't want to have to not look at things. I, yeah, I, I, I am trained at a certain point where if any advertising manages to make itself past the copious amount of ad blocking and scripting software that I have running at any given time on my computer, I will purposefully not look at it. If it shows up egregiously enough, it goes on my I won't won't buy you anyway list. Well, you've just about (laughs) abandoned some websites because the ads, they kept using strategies to make them more and more intrusive, and you move your mouse wrong, and it starts shrieking at you. Yeah. So I don't want to have to start getting into that habit with my comic books. I'm sorry. It's it, it may seem like a minor inconvenience to some people and a and a not big deal, but for some of us, advertising is just intrusive. Period, and I find it just something that turns me off. Well, and particularly the way it's done now, you know, the full page ads I can handle as I'm reading. All right, there's a full page of ads. I move along. I flip once. It's the double page ad layouts that drive me fucking bullshit. Oh, yeah. When you're trying to like read the story and get some flow going and all of a sudden you're interrupted with four pages of, and now this. (laughs) For the last two weeks, and I mentioned it a little bit in last week's show, DC has been the fucking worst because they've been doing in-house trade ads for the DCU stuff, and it's been an eight-page layout. So you got to flip pages four or five times just to continue the goddamn story. Yeah. Now, to be fair, all those Convergence books, they had 22-page main stories and an eight-page preview of upcoming books at the end. So it's not like you can complain, oh, you've taken away my story in favor of ads, but it's just, it's infuriating to, okay, let me do, no, no story, no, no, son of a bitch. Yeah. By the end of it, I'm, (laughs) I'm like, fuck you, DC. Yeah, what what was it I just read before I lost the the thread? <laughs> I'm I'm gonna open a cars podcast and stop buying your shit. <laughs> Except I don't know anything about cars. Son of a bitch. Be like that Peter Griffin podcast about hats, where he just names hats. Yeah, all I know about is comic books. This is all I got. <laughs> I I just I don't want to have to start training my eyes to look at the book differently. I I'll wait for the fucking trades if it comes to it, frankly, or I'll start buying more digital. And I don't want to do that. I want to support my local guys. Yeah. And I want to have the actual book in my hands. I'm yeah. I'm old school. You know, yeah. It takes up space. I've had to buy warehouse space almost at this point. I want the book. You know what, though? I, I don't think I really considered overall how intrusive it was until I got myself worked up about this. But then I was I was sitting reading one of the books that we're going to talk about today, um, Fight Club Two. <laughs> yeah, a hell of a book to be talking about as we start out complaining about advertising. Well, this book did not have any advertising in it except for stuff at the back of the book that was in-house stuff. 
Yeah, that's normally what Image does. That's what Avatar Comics does. And I I didn't really realize how awesome it was to not be interrupted until I took a half a second to go back and look. (laughs) Well, the first time it really drove me nuts. The first, it was always an irritation, but the first time I lit, I threw the book down. I'm like, you motherfucker. It was 2008. Okay. And I'm reading the comic, and I'm, I'm getting into the story, and I flip, and it's a double-page in-house trade ad for Secret Invasion. <laughs> I was reading fucking Secret Invasion. I bought the book you're trying to sell me, you motherfuckers. <laughs> Don't interrupt the story. I bought it. I already bought it. <laughs> It's coming from inside the book. They talked the bar! <laughs> the whole fucking bar! That's how I feel. Oh, it drove me. That was the first time it was really, I can't believe. Pay some attention to what you're doing with the advertising. You're killing the story. I, I don't, you know, advertisers keep trying to find new and different ways to get us to look at their product since we've gotten to the point where advertising is become so intrusive we go out of our way to find ways to not look at their product i don't think they understand how much they turn people off by trying to come up with other ways to get in your face and i'm not sure what the solution is i know that you know they need to try to sell their product and and these particular comic books that partake of these ads are looking for ways to make revenue i have to say as the end user whatever they're doing right now isn't working I'm not going to buy the product, and I'm going to get irritated at the person buying the advertising. Well, I think part of the problem, and part of why it's, again, it took until 2008 for me to finally hit a breaking point with advertising and comics, is this really is the 21st century. And unlike just 20 years ago, we really have a lot of technological ways to avoid advertising in our media. Yeah, yeah it's, I've got a plug-in on my web browser called no script that no outside scripts can run and that includes 99% of any advertising somebody could put up. Yeah. Google AdWords still show up, but Google AdWords don't really get in the way. Right. With television, right now we have an honest to god TiVo that lets you fast forward through the ads, but 4 or 5 years ago we had a home-built home theater PC flat out had a piece of software called Comskip that would once you recorded the program, it would process it and figure out where the little watermarks, yeah. yeah, the network bullets were, and when the screen went black, and it would mark on the video where it was, and it would literally skip through the commercials. It was about ninety percent effective. So for about two years, we didn't see any commercials yeah. at all. Nobody reads newspapers anymore, and if you read a newspaper online, you can use AdBlock or something like NoScript. There aren't that many places where advertising can affect you because of technology i mean where where i'm seeing it more lately and it's just because i haven't bothered to research proper options for my phone is on on the phone so if i'm if i've gone to say amazon or something and purchased an item then that cookie is somewhere in my web browser on my phone so it'll show up in the designated ad spaces on websites that I go to when I'm browsing mobile. Yeah, I haven't found a, an effective NoScript style plugin for my there, a, my Android phone. Yeah, there there are some ad blocking software, but none of them are are well enough reviewed at the moment, at least that I'm aware of, that I want to risk putting them on my phone. Yeah, yeah, I do have a Clean Quit plugin for my Firefox on my phone that wipes out everything, history, yeah, uh, cookies, and everything. So that kind of tracking can't really continue, but. 
the point is in most places where historically we'd get advertising we just we're not exposed to it anymore yeah at best it's a minor irritation of this is the commercial break i gotta press fast forward and watch for joe blow to come back on to know that i'm back on the show yeah and his irritations go yeah it's kind of irritating i wish tivo had actual com skip <laughs> god i miss com skip but that's as far as it goes there's it's it's the fact that there is advertising that's irritating as opposed to an individual advertisement. Yeah, and... I mean, I that said, even with TV, when it comes to trade ads, the stupid little pop-up, you know, hey, watch Jimmy Dingle on, <laughs> you know, on my my asshat neighbor, Saturdays at 8. Yeah. I can't oh. stand that. But. Yeah, whoever comes up with a way to, like, put a plug-in for TiVos that wipes that shit out on the bottom of the screen will be my hero and yeah. should get a Nobel Prize. He will be richer than God for the six months it takes for the networks to file a class action suit against him. <laughs> I, I think for me it comes down to um, if I wanted to know anything about your product, I will have researched it because I'm looking for something like that. Uh, and sticking yourself in front of my face is not going to make me more inclined to buy your product. I don't disagree at all. You know, when it comes to the specifics of comic book and magazine production, a certain amount of advertising is going to be a necessary evil. Yes. No, it just is. Unless we want to go back to newsprint books with shitty coloring. Yeah, uh, no. Yeah, you know, we, <laughs> we'd be paying 10 bucks a book. At least some amount of the book is offset by advertising. And and that's fine. Like I said, if this is leading towards something that will help to bring prices down, that's great. I don't think it is. Well, it, it never does. That that's the problem. Now, now I, I remember when there were no advertisements at the start of movies. Right. That's something that really only started in the late '80s, early '90s. And I feel like it was something that I saw when I was living in Europe before it happened over here. Because I remember being floored by. Is that a beer ad that i'm seeing like why is this happening oh yeah and on vhs tapes yeah yeah you know, the there there was a diet coke ad at the beginning of the batman vhs day. how dare it was a ad starring batman <laughs> at least it was on point right so yeah it took a long time for that to really integrate and did the prices go down uh, not at all no. half the time you go to the supermarket they got a big screen up in produce advertising their specials of the day and advertising that were whatever ads they have in there. There's a goddamn TV that shows me advertisements at the gas pump. <laughs> That's true. Gas ain't got any cheaper. No. Yeah, the reality is, whereas for a long time, advertisements were used to lower the price of the product, which is why you could get newspapers for two cents in the 1800s. Or for a nickel. <laughs> yeah, but... Now it's, oh, we can get advertising, and that's more money. Yeah. More money for us. Now, that said, again, most of the advertising we see in comic books is trade ads. And and I'm I'm okay with that, I guess. It's less jarring. It's it's more jarring than I would like it to be when it, when it interrupts the flow of the story. But it's something about, it's the same reason I find myself, maybe it's a sign of why I'm getting old, why yeah. I listen to news radio in the morning going into work uh, rather than music programming. Somehow it's less jarring when the news kicks off into commercials because it's it's not going from music to somebody yammering at me. Well, it's <laughs> it's going from one bummer to another. You know, you've yeah. lost it all in the stock market. Buy Coke. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas... Uh, 
the amount of advertising on radio really becomes apparent and jarring when you're listening to music programming and it kicks over into spoken ads. To me, anyway. Yeah, it, believe me, I understand. I, I worked in radio. <laughs> you know, I know exactly how many of those carts I had to plug in and how long the breaks were. And even on weekends, you know, the average was five, six minutes. Yeah. That's a little bit, you're never going to get rid of advertising. No. The only way to get rid of advertising is with a technological solution. Yes. That's, that's yeah. just the no, reality. You're right. you're right. Now, maybe that technological solution for some people is, you know, I'm going to stop buying this book and I'm going to get a torrent where somebody only scanned the fucking story pages. Yeah. Or, you know, right now, if you get the books through Comixology, Comixology won't print ads in the books. Yeah, and there certainly aren't ads in the trades. Yeah. So that's potentially an option. I'm willing to accept a certain amount of advertising. My problem is I don't want them on the story page. And I know this has happened at various times in the past. Yeah. I don't personally remember ever seeing it. I started reading comics in 1975. I've heard they did it for a while in the Silver Age or early 70s. I've heard some people online report, I saw this in the 80s. I don't remember ever seeing it. What I what I remember from advertising in those periods uh, were big old ads that were offering to sell me sea monkeys and, and X-ray specs <laughs> and X-ray specs and uh, that I could sell True Grit or Grit or whatever the hell it was called yeah and uh, win prizes <laughs> yeah get a Daisy Air rifle yeah <laughs> put your neighbor's eye out yep buy hostess um, spider-man tried to sell me hostess yeah i remember the hostess hostess ads dr j in a cartoon doing a slam dunk on rick barry <laughs> i don't yeah no nobody tried to shove a twix in my face <laughs> well it's uh, the if we take a step back from the advertising you know look we're not <laughs> we're not exactly making a bold stand here we don't like advertising like everybody else does i mean what we what we do have here is if it's interrupting the story or more importantly shrinking the story right that's more my worry because if it catches on and it starts being oh it's a 19 page story instead but it's the same number of pages and it's still 299 399 not only are we getting hosed out of the story page rates i guarantee aren't going to change it'll right. start being a 19 page story writers and artists lose a page out of it just in the storytelling, figuring out how to tell a story with just the intervening full ad pages must be hard enough for artists because you can't really plan on two pages facing each other more than five, six times in a 2022 page story. Yeah. So if a story beat really requires a double page layout, you're limited as it is. But I mean, how much worse does it get if, if not only do you have to worry about, oh, do I have facing pages here? But if you have to start worrying about, do I even have a full page here? How am I going to lay this out if this is the page where I've only got half? Right. Or one of the two pages where I only have half. I mean, that, that's, that's, go ahead. I suppose that's why the artists get paid the way that they do. I, I can't visualize it in my head, but I, I can't really draw more than a stick figure. Well, <laughs> it's certainly that's part of the job, but you know, why make it harder than it is? And with that said, I, I think Brian Michael Bendis should be forced to work in that kind of environment. Because <laughs> his double page layouts are almost impossible to decipher more often than not. It's true. Brian, if you're listening, buddy, tell the artist 
to put a panel across the spine of the book at the top so I know I have to look across the two pages. The number of times I've seen when I, I read down a page, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck just happened. Because oh, it, I was supposed to go across. Because it's like, yeah, nine-panel <laughs> grid or something at the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst, buddy. Stop it. Seriously. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I keep thinking of the, the character in... Which William Gibson book was it? It's, it's right over there. Um, oh, uh, Pattern Recognition? Yeah. Who Who is actually allergic to advertising. <laughs> like, can't leave the house. Like, well... Like, <laughs> See, the thing is, I don't think it has to be that bad. I don't begrudge publishers taking advertising. That said, I said it on last week's show, Rolling Stone comes out every month. It's 100-something pages. Probably 80 of those are actual content pages. It's about 450 Yep. It's 4 bucks if you get it at Walmart. Also has the Twix ads. It's 17 fucking cents if you get a subscription. <laughs> yeah. Somehow they managed to put out a book and make a profit with advertising. Great, they got a ton of ads and they're right on the page, sure, but Well, that's just it. You know, the the argument I see online all the time on the websites when, you know, somebody inevitably goes, "Oh, the advertising on this this site really pisses me off." And somebody chimes in helpfully and says, "Oh, try these ad blocking software." And then somebody further down the thread will say like, "Oh, but you know, this site's free and yeah, you know, they have to make their money somewhere." Motherfucker, these comic books, I have subscriptions to these goddamn comic books. Yeah. I have subscriptions. Don't put a fucking ad in there. <laughs> and to be fair with those subscriptions that we have through the local comic store, we save 10%. So when, when we say it's a $4 book, really it's a 360 book. All right, I guess. But still, I, I'm trying to, in my mind, <laughs> like, you know, well, this website is free and they have to make their money somewhere. What if they had a paid site? Well, they find a way to fucking put product placement in there anyway because at this point i don't trust anybody <laughs> well it comes down to what the market will bear yeah and that follows over to comic books i mean we're paying at minimum three dollars a book and it's a product that sells probably at best fifty thousand copies and we really have compared to a lot of points in comic book history world-class talent yes. writing and drawing these things that do not have that big a circulation. And that's, that's the hole in my argument of I can get Rolling Stone for 17 cents. Rolling Stone sells a shitload more copies than 50,000 for the highest selling book that you can get. True. These are not high sell through items. So if we had to pay what the market would bear per issue with no advertising and no internal advertising to give publishers a chance to have somebody who enjoys the art form find something new that they have, these could be $15 books. We might have no comic books and just trades, and that seems really doubtful because it's a hell of a lot easier to say, well, let's take a shot at this, and we'll give you three guaranteed issues, and if it falls apart, we're just going to cancel it. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I just, and I said earlier, I don't know what the solution is because, you know, on the, on the one hand, the more intrusive the advertisers get to get the product in front of your face, the more turned off the consumer becomes. But the ugly reality is that if the advertising doesn't happen, then the comic book gets less revenue well, <laughs> and yeah. is more likely to fold. So Yeah, and, and we agree breaking up the page of art is not the solution. No. no it, right now it's a particular thing Twix is trying, and the odds are with some of the outcry that's going on, I mean, my God, 
some of the tweets that I saw in that comic book resources article, there were some really strident and angry people on there. I, I was, um, I had the cognitive, cognitive dissonance of discovering that I agree with Rob Liefeld. <laughs> on comic book resources, one of those tweets is mine. <laughs> All right, you'll, you'll be finding a new sock puppet Twitter account soon. <laughs> I was just saying it for your own amusement. You want to lay yourself out that way. All just right. saying. <laughs> but yeah, interrupting the page, it just, it can't be the answer. For another reason is if it becomes the norm, you're really kind of fucking up the secondary art market. Yeah. Which does not sound like a big deal, but a lot of creators use that as a significant supplement to their income. You know, th those pages, no page you can buy from anybody you've ever heard of you know, is cheap at a convention. No, it's true. And they're not all, you know, Alex Ross uh, um, for less than five figures. I'm not leaving the house, but, <laughs> but I, I own, as you know, Amanda, I, I own two pages of original comic art. Yes. I got page 11 of Batman and the Mad Monk number one by Matt Wagner. And I've got, an unpublished last page of The Shade Number 1 by Cully Hamner. And the only reason it was unpublished was because it was drawn before the New 52 came out and he didn't take into account some of the changes that were going to happen because right. of it. So some things were not in continuity there. And they're both great pages. I mean, yeah, in their own way, they're nothing special. They're not from huge books. You know, they're not classics of the art form, but they're the first... <laughs> They're positioned next to the bed. They're the first thing I see every morning. And I find myself constantly looking at them because seeing original art like that, you can really pick up how some of this storytelling is done, some of the tricks that they use. I mean, that one page of Wagner Batman art, then I picked it up because it's like, oh, cool, it's got a it's got a quarter-sized panel of, that's cool, Batman's holding a goon. Yeah. Yeah, so it's got a big enough Batman action panel. I'm willing to pay this amount. But if if you look at it, it's you can see how he laid out every panel and the action to it to draw your eye at the top left to right to down, back to left, mm -hmm. down into the left to the bottom panel and over to that big piece of action of Batman holding the goon off the roof. And it's the same thing with, with Hamner's. It's a splash page, but it's you've got the shade decapitated sort of at the top middle and a blood trail that leads to death stroke. And it automatically brings your eye up to this giant cosmic rod. Cause this all happened at the Starman museum that brings you all the way back around. And particularly with the Hamner art, if you look, it's got blue lines yeah. all over it that don't reproduce when you photocopy it. I think and, they both have blue lines. Well, in particular, the Hamner dumb was Hamner yeah. one does. And I asked him about it when I bought it, and he said, yeah, that's so I can keep track of perspectives and figure out, okay, how big should things be and where will people be looking? And it's so it's really interesting, and you learn something from from just looking at these things that much bigger than the actual comics page. Yeah, no, they, they are, they're really cool. <laughs> and it, it makes me wish we had more goddamn bookshelf space. I'd get those IDW artist editions of almost anything they put out, because it really is a different experience to look at these things figuring out how to get people through an entire page it's 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 layout is an art form in and of itself just beyond drawing the characters oh definitely and it's <laughs> and i look at these things and i think about this dc half page thing and i'm like who the fuck would spend any kind of money on a half page what are you gonna what is it 
give you? What are you going to learn from it, really? I mean, the things I bought, the ones that I have are not cheap. Yeah. But, you know, they're certainly not, like I said, Frank Miller, you know, Dark Knight pages. If artists are using these as a secondary income, who's going to grab one? Yeah, so you've you've robbed them of it. And if you buy one, what are you really going to get from it? Unless they take advantage of the empty half page to give you a kick-ass ink wash or something. But even then, it's I could just buy the ink wash, the ownership of a little piece of comics history, and you can learn something from every single one of them. It's just not the same if it's like <laughs> in a big sort of Sharpie Twix ad here at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. So uh, once again, I'd like to just say for the record, fuck you, Twix. You and your <laughs> shitty caramel and chocolate and mediocre cookie. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the... How long have you been talking? 45 minutes? Jesus. Yeah. It's one of those things that on paper, this is not the biggest problem in the world. It's a one-month thing. There's been an outcry. I can't imagine them continuing to do it, but it is a slippery slope, and we did want to talk about it, and we did want to, frankly, yell about it. Twix, it's not going to get any better for you, man. You you can, you, <laughs> you can shove your advertising in our face all day long. There's a reason why you can only afford Nick Lachey and not Brad Pitt. <laughs> this episode of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast brought to you by Tick, Twix Butt Plugs. <laughs> Not affiliated with Twix Handy Bars. Twix butt plugs. Apply it directly to infected area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're canceled. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, we did want to address it. It's a potential slippery slope. I'm sure DC made a few bucks at this. And if everybody was quiet and it was okay, and uh, nobody on any podcast or any social media made any noise about it, it would, ha <laughs> it would happen again. It would. And we don't want it to, because we care about you, the reader. Exactly. God damn it, DC. It was wrong and you knew it! Fuck you, Twix. <laughs> <laughs> Not affiliated with Twix by folks. <laughs> All right. Mr. Liefeld, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> do, do we want to move on yes. to the other thing that DC did that pissed, at least pissed me off? No, let's, let's talk about this, because this is the most anticlimactic <laughs> end, I think, of of an event. <laughs> I've read in some time, well, and and I know what your issue is with it. I'm going to let you talk about that because you're also right. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not going to talk about any specifics of the the final issue of Convergence. Uh, we're not going to talk about the the issue in particular more in how it was concluded. And there were a few choices that were made, some of which were understandable, some of which less so. Yes. Uh, However, even though we're not going to talk about the specifics of the issue, just assume spoilers are going to abound. So if you haven't finished Convergence and you want to... Pause here. Pause here. Go out and... Don't get, have a Twix. Get yourself a nice Twix butt plug and... Have a Reese's. Butt plug? No. Those no. guys are terrible. <laughs> they stain. You may as well just get some spackle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Convergence is over. It did what they intended for it to do, at least by the time they realized what Secret Wars was going to be yeah. and uh, what what books some people were actually buying. It seems like pretty much the entire history of the DC Universe is open for stories now from pretty much the Golden Age all the way to the New 52. Yep. Everything's up for grabs. We did, throughout it, get some nice name checks of Zero Hour and Countdown, which is kind of nice. I did like that line where Green Lantern 
uh, Parallax, Parallax. Yeah. is asking Telos, oh, get me all the Green Lantern rings. And Te- <laughs> Telos is like, no, no, no more ra- reality bending for you. <laughs> not only was it not a bad line, it reminded me of a, of a, of a motto of a friend of mine from college, <laughs> which was, oh, no, 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 no shrooms for my buddy Rob. No. I think somebody needs a little nap. Looks <laughs> <laughs> like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. Uh, shrooms, keep up. <laughs> all right, so what issue did you have? Because mine is specific that I want to talk about. So let's start with with what you've got. Because I don't think it's my the same issue one was it's like they couldn't figure out how to end it, so they just decided that Brainiac gave up and wanted to go back to being the Brainiac he used to be. Wah. so like he ran out of steam and was done having his tantrum. <laughs> I I understand what you're saying. I did not have a problem with that, and I didn't have a problem with it because for once it seemed like Brainiac was almost a surrogate for the reader where it's these things have happened to me since the new 52. <laughs> I'm, All right. That's a good way. That's a I'm good not <laughs> sure this is what I want to be. I want something more classic. I want to be what I was and I'm willing to do almost anything to do that. Okay. That, that, that makes it somewhat better, but I'm just going with the the gut reaction I had as I was reading it. Like, really, Lobdell? Really? <laughs> well, it wasn't just uh, Lobdell. Who's the other writer? Jeff King, I think. Yeah. I don't think we brought the issue upstairs. Yeah, it might have. Just gonna go ahead and blame Lobdell. <laughs> it, it's usually safe. Here it is. See, so, yeah, I think I think it was Jeff King was the co-writer on it. I yes. don't know why I'm drawing a blank. We've been talking about the damn thing for about the last <laughs> twelve weeks. So yeah, I didn't have a problem with that because it it felt number one like a potential reader surrogate. Maybe a creator surrogate. For all we know, half of the churn at DC <laughs> Editorial from the first year was people saying, I don't really think I want to do this. Didio, you can do what you want, but this hurts my heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Dan Didio's editorial philosophy. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So was it just that? Any other particular thing? Because mine is very particular. It's... That was the biggest thing for me. It just, after all of this Sturm und Drang, I think that's the phrase I want. <laughs> well, look at Miss Education over here. It just felt like... It's and... like somebody didn't drink their way through four years of party time. It just, it felt like it petered out at the end and, you know, okay, you all can go home now. I'm, I, I, I'm done with my tantrum. You, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna slink off, like you know, Brainiac slinking off to whatever fucking planet he's from. I'm you know, just picturing like baby elephant song. <laughs> Brainiac, <laughs> emo wuss, bumpadida, bumpadida. <laughs> so you know, the one thing I did like about Convergence, um, and 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 this ending is, uh, I enjoyed the renewed focus and use of booster gold <laughs> i will never get tired of booster gold i would like to see more of that going forward <laughs> yeah, as somebody who was really excited after crisis on infinite earths and bought a bunch of those books you know, booster was a pure post-crisis creation and i i always i love justice league international yep the blue and the gold i'm always gonna love booster gold so so i, I enjoyed him, yes. that <laughs> What I really liked is that after almost four years, yeah, it does seem, again, if Brainiac is reader surrogate, it does seem like DC Editorial 
has learned that, yeah, people want more stories than just the jacked up macho continuity heavy new 52 and that's all there is. Everything else is gone. Yeah. I'm glad that these characters are available for individual books, even if they're miniseries passion projects for particular creators who, uh, you know, if, if Keith Giffen and uh, DeMatteis want to, you know what? I, I want to do another justice league story. They can now more ambush bug <laughs> always more ambush bug <laughs> yeah if jeff johns wants to do an old school justice society story it's available to him now yeah that became a goal of convergence that i really from all reports was really just intended it to start with all right let's give people what they want for two months here's your characters and some of the characters who got bad ends like uh ryan Choi, yep. uh, who was murdered by death let's give a chance for a last redemption. Let's get Nightwing and Oracle married. Let's give everybody their happy ending and go back to business. Somewhere along the line, they realized this is a golden opportunity to give people what they want. And huh, people are buying Batgirl and Gotham Academy. And there's a wider audience for stories that we could easily do with characters that we've closed the door on. Yeah. So I'm glad that happened. With that fucking said. Yeah, now you, you have a very specific gripe, and, and I'm going to let you talk about it because, yes. Yeah. There is Crisis on Infinite Earths. So when Brainiac sends pre-Crisis Flash and Supergirl, uh, Parallax, post-Crisis Superman and Lois Lane, send them all back to Crisis, I'm not entirely certain what happened. Which is a potential to storytelling flaw. I'm not 100% sure, but yeah. I'm pretty sure. It's possible they went back and just did it all again the way they did it the first time. Seems very unlikely since Parallax was not there the first time. Right. Neither was post-Crisis Superman. But there's a little line where the Flash is told, you may have to go. It's like, if we have to do it all over again and die, we'll do it. As <laughs> possible. It really seems like they went back and stopped the multiverse collapse. It seems like they undid fucking crisis. Yes, it's because you go from from that, like, you know, we have to go back. Okay, whatever happens, it's going to happen. To a two-page spread where it looks as though all of the worlds have been saved. No rhyme, no reason, no explanation. Just reasons. Off-camera reasons. Yeah, it's basically... We've we've got a panel of Superman saying, let's go save the multiverse. And you flip the page and he just says, they have done it. <laughs> because it's a specific story point that the first crisis is looming too large and preventing me from saving the current multiverse. For He's $5, they could have given us more of an explanation. Well, <laughs> and he flat out says you have to go back and undo crisis. Yeah. I don't want crisis to not have happened. It was it was something we all had a lot of investment in as DC readers. Well, no matter what you think about it, it was not only one of the first complete publisher line crossovers ever. Yeah. I mean, up there with Secret Wars, it was the first one to really follow through on the idea that it changed everything. Secret Wars sort of hinted at that and ultimately all that changed was, and I'm talking the 1984 Secret Wars here, all that really changed is Spider-Man got a black costume. Yeah. I and mean, that was it. <laughs> you know, crisis, it killed Flash. 
It killed Supergirl and Dove and the crime syndicate. It really did change everything. And it led into what you could argue, and and I will argue, granted, part of the argument is I was there and I wasn't there in the 30s and 40s. It led to DC's real golden age because they were willing to try anything because everything was up for grabs. Right. Yeah, that's the environment that you need to get Dark Knight Returns and Year One Batman and fucking Watchmen, where it's yeah, fuck it, okay, everything's everything's cool. We'll try any goddamn thing. Yeah, yeah, and to take that epic event that was twelve or thirteen issues, so it's a full year that really changed everything, and eliminate it. Not only eliminate it, but eliminate it off fucking camera. Well, that's just it. Like this, you know, when I say it just sort of petered out, whatever they needed to do to fix Crisis, that should have been a book unto itself. That should have been its own series of things. Definitely. (laughs) Absolutely. And again, part of this is DC, I guarantee a part of this, is DC taking advantage of the fact they were doing this to just say, fine, fuck it, we're going to use this thing that we're doing to do this other thing. Same thing they did with Flashpoint. Yeah. Flashpoint was not meant to be the end of the post-crisis DC universe. It was just a neat story Jeff Johns thought of, and they said, this is a great opportunity to do that reboot we always wanted. (laughs) And Johns said, oh, all right, shit, Pandora who? All right, I'll put her on the last page. Fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like they did the same thing with this. They took a self-contained thing and decided, oh, we're going to do this. But (laughs) if you're eliminating Crisis on Infinite Earths, if you're saying some heroes went back and ended that, at that point, Convergence isn't your fucking story. That's the fucking story. Yeah. You, 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 can't, yeah. <laughs> you can't take two months of, oh, we've got some domed cities on some world, and you know we're going to have some heroes from different universes fight, but most of the time they're not really going to fight. They're going to find a way to work together and save both of their cities. And, you know, oh, by the way, uh, and Crisis didn't happen. What? <laughs> Next year, you're going to tell me the Santa isn't real. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's like reading Action Comics 1 and seeing Superman knock out a crooked fucking landlord and have, have Lois Lane say, you know, wow, and to think he did that and had enough energy to do that after stopping the attack at Pearl Harbor. What? <laughs> fuck the slumlord. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about the slumlord. I know. Fuck your domed cities. Domed cities aren't the story, goddammit. Twix. <laughs> god damn you twix <laughs> you've made everyone fucking loopy god damn it <laughs> so I, and I, I think that since I was sort of leaving you to address that part it, it made my argument somewhat more toothless but that <laughs> <laughs> not at all but go ahead but no because it, that, that's a large part of why I felt the book just petered out it, it's like Okay, you have this giant thing that is sort of the the centerpiece of what convergence should have been, and arguably a very controversial thing to fucking do. And you're just gonna undo it over four pages with no explanation. Well, I get why the decision was made to have to do it because if crisis actually happened, you really don't have access. <laughs> In this imaginary universe, under whatever rules that anybody yeah. ever wants to think up, where they decided that certain things were in continuity because Superboy punched reality. In this kind of hard and fast scientific world where the rules really matter, if crisis actually happened, you don't have access to pre-crisis universes. Right. 
because they were all collapsed and destroyed for all intents and purposes. Fucking Superboy. <laughs> he's not him when he's hungry. He's a ruiner. God damn it. <laughs> he was wrong and you knew it. Fuck you, Superboy. Get that kid a Snickers. Superboy Prime sucks my ass. <laughs> Superboy Prime eats Twix. God damn it. Should have had a Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> but so I can kind I kind of get why they made the decision to make it sort of clear. Yep, everything's up for grabs, but it's <laughs> it's it just, just it doesn't feel like it's earned when you do it that way. Uh, yeah. Preventing crisis is your story at that point. Yeah. And I sincerely hope on some whiteboard in the new offices in California, somebody's put in big red letters, show me how Superman and Parallax and the Flash and Supergirl stopped fucking crisis. Yeah. That's important. Although it's probably more likely that it says undo crisis, line, line, profit. <laughs> and somebody's written Twix on line three. <laughs> line three Twix. That's a <laughs> title. But, but yeah, that that's a huge story that as and I understand I'm no better than the people in nineteen eighty five, eighty six after Crisis. You've ruined my DC comics. It, I'm no better, but crisis in the couple three years right afterwards means so goddamn much to me. It's if you're gonna say that didn't happen, you fucking show it to me. Yes, no, you're right. Like I said, this doesn't feel earned. Yeah, <laughs> this is such a step to take when when they've had so many other events where they even if it hasn't gone a hundred percent successfully, Final Crisis, um, <laughs> at least. At least they took the time to if write gonna, out what happened. If you're going to name check a story, can you name one that's at least 25% successful for Christ's sake? <laughs> Identity crisis. <laughs> <laughs> you and I are the only ones who think that. I, but I do think as Secret Wars goes along, if that continues to be a king bummer, we really need to put them side by side. Yeah, actually. If, if we're going to defend Secret Wars is arguably at least so far worse than Infinite, uh, not Infinite Crisis, Identity Crisis. Yeah, we're we're gonna need to do that. All right, if if, if this is sort of like just a non sequitur as I'm looking at various trades that are over on, on the wall, if they're gonna take this step of putting everything back and making everything available, can we go back to having like real like the main man Lobo, please? <laughs> can can that be oh, a thing? Lobo series is continuing post convergence. Head desk. His, his annual is coming out June, I think. That's good. Is he getting a manicure for it? <laughs> <laughs> Manny Petty, <laughs> get himself a little facial. Uh, I'm Lobo. I'm the new main man. I need a Manny, a Petty, and a Twix butt plug. <laughs> the sad thing is that's the given title of the show. We can't ever I know. use it. I know. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's that's my issue with it. Look, the end justifies the means. I'm excited about a DC where I can get a miniseries about yeah, the post-crisis stuff I love. Give me an old-school Suicide Squad miniseries. Give me fat Amanda Waller. Yeah. Give me Justice League International again. Give yes. Me, give me uh, Captain Adam and the, the, the Charlton characters right afterwards. Give me a Denny O'Neill, Dennis Cohen question again, for Christ's sake. Don't give us vibe. No, no vibe. No. No fucking vibe. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> But yeah, a crisis just looms so big in my comic reading history. Okay, you said it never happened. 
You better show it to me. You better make me fucking happy about it, man. I agree. I agree. All right. Do we want to talk about that anything, uh, anymore, or we want to move on to some actual let's books move on this to, week? Let's move on to the books. How are we doing on time? Oh, that was an hour and nine. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I think we're doing good. All right. Well, do uh, you want to do all three, then? Let's do all three. All right. Which one do you want to start with? Oh, you pick. No, you pick. I pick. I insist. All right. Let's talk about Fight Club 2. Okay. Uh, Fight Club 2, uh, written by Chuck. This is going <laughs> to crush me. I, Polinick. He has a, a frequently asked questions page. Chuck Polinick? Yeah. What kind of parents would name their kid that? <laughs> Are you sure? Well, I don't know. How do you want to pronounce it? Um... <laughs> Fuck you, Twix. <laughs> Rob, uh, you have friends in low places. <laughs> you go to hell. <laughs> All right, Fight Club 2, written by Chuck. <laughs> Art by Cameron Stewart. Polinick. <laughs> what was that? Ditto. <laughs> Chuck Polinick. Yeah. I'll try, but if I draw blank again, I'm going straight to the sugar man. I know. I know. You're going to just... It's like if I ask you what our Twitter handle is. Uh, It's at... Sugar God damn you. <laughs> Chuck Polinick. I'll try. I'll okay. try. So yes, Fight Club 2. Uh, I can't talk about this book. <laughs> well, that makes for a very short show. All right, now that now that we have the can't talk about Fight, Fight Club, Club obligatory thing out of the way, yeah, I had to do it, do it fast, do it up front. <laughs> it's like a shot; just get the needle in and go home. Um, all right, if it's so. your first night. You must talk about it. No, wait. Oh, damn it! I'm not in Fight Club. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so yes, nine years after the events of Fight Club, uh, Fight Club the book in particular, which I will cop. Right out of the way, I have not read. It's on my list of things to eventually read, although I've seen the movie a few times. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, the protagonist who, I don't know if he was named Sebastian in the original book, but he's certainly named Sebastian in this one. Uh, he's a brain-dead suburban dad, keeping his other side under control with psychotropic drugs yes. of various uh, forms and sorts. His wife, Marla, baffling since she was so nice in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Still goes to random support meetings, but now it's to complain about how boring Sebastian is. Uh, they have a son. He's farming animal shit for ammonium nitrate. Yeah, he seems like a real prize of a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the uh, <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the no. tree. <laughs> or as a wise man once said, you plant corn, you get corn. I love that his name is Junior. Of course it's named Junior. Nobody in this has any identity whatsoever except for marlo really yeah and even hers is so goddamn fluid because she goes to all these different meetings but yeah. we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah basically uh, his life sucks his neighbor's chucking dog shit over the fence uh he's in therapy but every time his shrink hypnotizes him uh his old buddy tyler comes out to play so which is apparently three times a week uh, apparently and has been for nine years so <laughs> Uh, first of all, uh, we are spoiling the hell out of this. This will uh, irritate uh, some people if you're a fan of Fight Club and love the fact that the twist got to you at the end. There's no huge twist in this particular issues, but we're going to spoil it. So if you don't want to hear it, just jump ahead until you... Or uh, go read the book. The first thing I'm going to say is this is a really good book. Go buy this book. Yes, it, it was. it was very good. There's a lot going on here. But yeah, if you don't want to hear it, uh, just keep fast-forwarding until you uh, hear one of us say, Agent of Booty. <laughs> I wish I were joking. But 
all right. So let me get your initial impressions because I, I do have some thoughts about this. I enjoyed the book. I I think it's interesting insofar as, again, I didn't read the original book. I saw the movie. The The main character who who shares space with Tyler Durden. Um, yeah, it's a, what's his name? Who was the actor? Uh, Ed Norton. Ed Norton. You know, it's interesting to see him nine years in the future slugging through suburban hell because you would think that's the kind of thing that would have triggered him in the first movie, except he was a single person with that level of apathy. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I I just love that he is so blissfully unaware that, that Tyler's still out and active <laughs> <laughs> well, until later. Which mirrors, and again, anything we say about the original, we're talking about the movie. Yeah. You know, is it, a, is it a hole in our lives that we didn't read the original literature? It didn't have any fucking pictures. What the fuck do you want from me? I've only got so many hours in the day. But there's there's a level of humor in this book that comes across very strongly. Like Marla going to these support groups, the fact that she's got to a point where she's at this like uh, progeria syndrome one, which yeah. is like kids who have like this aging disorder. <laughs> yeah, like that movie of the week with uh, the Karate Kid from back in the eighties. Yeah, it's like last shot before my cousin Vinny, and then. I don't know, selling ads for Twix. I don't know what he's doing now. Yeah, and she's just, you know, complaining. She turns it into, it's all about her. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a rapid aging syndrome. I have that. It's a mild case. I'm 11. I'll be nine. <laughs> yep. My wrinkles 30... are on the inside. Yeah, I'm 35, but I could pass for 50. <laughs> he gave me <laughs> orgasms that shave years off my lifespan. What's an orgasm? <laughs> <laughs> But the revelation that she's been um, swapping out Sebastian's pills for sugar pills and aspirin. <laughs> yeah. She is an awful repre- reprehensible human being. And she she was in the movie. But you know this this is a new low. <laughs> it, yeah, and for purely selfish reasons, she's bored. Yeah. It's the main thing that I took from this is and granted, this is just the first chapter of, uh, I think this is going to be a 10-issue miniseries, might yeah. be 12. If Fight Club, the original, was a story about young men of Generation X, Fight Club 2 is about those same people now that they're in middle age. Yeah. Now, the original book came out in 96. Uh, the movie came out in 99. So, yeah, those of us in Generation X, we were in our mid-20s. Yep. Yeah, the the general story, and again, I've only seen the movie, but the general story of the original, it's a guy in a standard white-collar gig. He's trapped. He's rudderless. He feels like his knife doesn't mean anything. Now, in the standard grunge hero terms of the time, he decides his life's bullshit and creates an identity that only exists to blow up the system. It's full grunge nihilism, and when that's not enough, for him, he just decides to check out completely and finds out that his his ideas have outlived him. Yeah. I mean, am I am I missing No, oh, that's that's right. So, and and in this book, they you know, since he's unaware that Tyler is still active, I don't know how you go through your life, keep telling and, and continue to tell people, No, I'm not that guy, this isn't happening anymore without eventually going, huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, enough pills and booze, you can just ignore whatever the hell's going on. I with guess. It. But so yeah, and look at it. Now, the guy is still, he's still in a dead-end office gig. 
Yeah. I mean, we see him spending his days playing fucking video games. <laughs> so he's not exactly curing cancer out there. No. But now he's middle-aged, so he's like most of the people we know. He's married with a kid. He doesn't seem to understand either one of them. They don't really seem to understand him. He's, he's not sure how he got to this point in his life. Yeah, he's trying to even out his disappointment with drugs and therapy. He's got a standard house in the burbs of the yard. Neighbor so, that he doesn't get along with. Yeah, so it's much more middle-age concerns than young man concerns. So yeah, if Fight Club was about being angry that you've become an adult and you're never going to get what you want, this is shaping up to be about being angry that you couldn't even stop yourself from becoming your fucking dad. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, once again, Tyler is the other, you know, the promise that you can be more than you want. Now, in the 90s, yeah, he was Kurt Cobain. And this, he's got the Kurt Cobain haircut, which uh, we saw, uh, uh, I still can't pronounce it. We, we saw him at a panel. Polinick. Uh, yes, uh, in San Diego, I think. And he said originally, yeah, Tyler Durden was supposed to be long blonde hair, you know, like Kurt Cobain. Now he's not Kurt Cobain. He's a fucking multinational, multinational CEO. Right. Yeah, which is what, now that we all have office jobs, we're all supposed to aspire to be. Yeah. You know? These days, Tyler doesn't hurt or kill anyone. He, he orders people hurt and killed. He's moved up the ladder. He's become the system. <laughs> well, I guess... And that's that's the scary thing, because if, if Tyler was created to fight the system and now he's become the system, you've become the thing that you hate. <laughs> you have, but the system's become worse in the last 20 years, hasn't it? It's like a snake eating its tail. Yeah. So, and we, we have certain... Uh, Polinic? Pol yes. Damn it. He, God damn it. He, he clearly... <laughs> He he makes it very clear that he's returning to at least some original themes uh, and some original, I don't want to say tropes, but some of the original stuff. But he reuses things from the original that at least I recognize from the movie. He's, he's got uh, Sebastian has insomnia again. Mm -hmm. He even reuses the phrase a copy of a copy of a copy. Yes. He's flat out saying, okay, yep, it's the same thing again. Tyler still comes out whenever Marla calls. Tyler is clearly supposed to be a mechanism and has been from the original movie, at least to sort of cut through the things everyone does. Cause they think they're supposed to do now that said, uh, does not exactly do this with a light hand. You know, I get that he's never done a comic book before, but having a panel with Sebastian's weed and whiskey and pills on fire is not exactly an Alan Moore subtle visual. <laughs> you yeah but you know what the again i have not read the book the movie wasn't fucking subtle <laughs> that's very true you know, fight club is not about subtlety <laughs> yeah i suppose you can't really argue that <laughs> project mayhem is not yeah <laughs> so yeah i'm guessing what we're gonna see and we certainly i think we see enough of it here to feel safe in saying it that now tyler represents an escape from middle age yes because his mission at the end is to flat out kill Marlon Jr. That seems to be what he's after. Yeah, which makes me wonder when, when he does this again in 10 or 15 years, it, is Tyler going to be the escape from the nursing home? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Either way, he should always have a backup plan of, uh, I'm going out for a pack of cigarettes. It would seem to be a lot easier and safer one if that's think. what you're after. <laughs> so, Hello, Sebastian, it's me again. Damn it. 
you changed my bag. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, it, it's put together uh, pretty well. Visually, uh, Stuart, uh, he lays it out in a way. It, he clearly seems to understand that there's a good chance that some non-regular comic readers are going to take a look at this. Yeah. Because it's a pretty standard grid layout. Some interesting gimmicks or tricks of obscuring dialogue to make things seem a little bit fuzzy by using a picture of a pill or something to obscure actual petals. Yeah. Yeah. Obscure some of the actual words to sort of make it a little bit disassociative of his thoughts, which is kind of clever. But in general, you know, Joe Blow from Falmouth coming out to pick up a comic book because, hey, man, I like me some Fight Club. Not going to have a problem following this. Yeah. There were a few obvious things like, again, (laughs) that panel of just neatly put together weed and Jack Daniels and pills just burning away. It's (laughs) really... Chuck and Cameron, uh, really, are you saying that now he has no more support mechanism and he's going to turn back into old Tyler? Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> you could have come to my home and smacked me across the eye with it. Yeah, but again, I I wasn't bothered by it because these stories, at least based on my understanding of the movie, are, are you know, 211 on the volume knob. <laughs> yeah, it's just that one panel kind of. It's like, oh, come on doesn't need to be this obvious. Now, I'm pretty good at picking out twists in stories. Part of my fondness of Fight Club, which I did see in the theater, second-run theater, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did not see the Jack as Tyler Durden. I didn't see that coming. So to have such an obvious, the pills are on fire, okay. <laughs> it's, uh, I thought, in general, it was entertaining and thought-provoking, and I'm sure it's going to wind up a bunch of middle-aged comic book fans the same way that the book and movie wound up 20-somethings back in the 90s. People are going to start putting Fight Club graffiti on toilet walls. And oh, yeah. It, it, it's just that. It's it's entertaining and thought-provoking. Some of us were able to figure out long before Fight Club was ever a book and movie that, yeah, what society tells you to do can be a trap. Those of us who figured out, you know, I think if I uh, get married and have kids, I can't do whatever I want to do whenever I want. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, okay, this is entertaining. Some of us figured this shit out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we're going to see probably a rise in that sort of graffiti because in the, in the front cover, it says, hey, kids, prove your mettle with the following homework assignment. Use the phrase, Tyler lives, or rise or die, to guerrilla market the shit out of Fight Club 2. Send photos of your handiwork to Project Mayhem at darkworths.com. Chuck himself will award valuable leather-bound copies of Fight Club and other awesome prizes to the best word spreaders. Let the world know. Grow your cojones. Just as once, live up to your full potential for mischief-making. They got my dick missing! <laughs> Shorter and more to the point. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be sharpening a bathroom wall to get a free copy of Fight Club. I have the internet. I don't need a free copy of Fight Club. It's a, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm very interested to see where it goes. Uh, Polinic, did I get that right? I think you did. Okay, because I've sort of obscured my Sugar Man button. Um, <laughs> Thank God. Oh, no, I didn't obscure it that much. Sugar Man! Rob? Yeah? Let it go. <laughs> let it go. <laughs> he clearly has not written a comic book before, but it, it came out pretty well, and it's interesting to be back with these characters again. And... I think it's it's an interesting choice that he's using a comic book medium to be the sequel. 
Yeah, and none of the panels we saw at San Diego particularly explained exactly why he wanted to do that. Mm. Uh, I've, I think I've read something online that he wound up having a dinner with uh, Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue DeConnick and a few other writers who sort of told him some of the possibilities if he wanted to do the story, but mm. I don't know where I read that, and uh, I may have uh, read it in a dream. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I do know he said recently as part of the the press for the book that he seems fairly convinced that he wants to continue to do other stories in a sequential art format. Okay, cool. So at least at face value, talking to reporters, he seems to like it. All right. And you know, as as a first shot goes, it's not bad. And in some way, this is kind of like before sunrise, before sunset, mm. clerks, clerks to checking back in with characters after 10 years can be entertaining. Yeah. It means... We're getting old, and I try not to think about that. But... <laughs> well, what the hell? It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. <laughs> but, yeah, it's probably safe to say, if you like the first Fight Club movie, even though this is based on the book, it's all the same characters. You're going to recognize a lot of lines. Uh, Tyler's got long hair. Live with it. <laughs> if you didn't like it, yeah, I think we're up for more of the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The primary audience is disaffected dudes. <laughs> Not going to be for everybody. That's okay. Indeed. All right. Which one we want to do next? Oh, you pick. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Just in case somebody took our advice, let's go to uh, Grindhouse number five, Lady Danger, Agent of Booty. I love this book. <laughs> I love this book so much. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I think you liked it better than I did, but I had I had fun with it. It was just so unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> uh, written by Alex DeCampi, uh, art by uh, I will never get this right. Uh, Mulel Mulel Jarvis. What kind of parents would name their kid that? <laughs> well, we'll call it Mulel Jarvis. Um, so yeah, I I had not been uh, reading this book before. I was walking down the aisles of my local comic book store when I saw something with the improbable title of Lady Danger, Agent of Booty, Part 1. Indeed. Booty being an acronym. It is. It is. And, and, and how do I say no to Lady Danger, Agent of Booty? <laughs> you don't. You don't. You just you go with it. You do not. Uh, I, I specifically looked through. Uh, do you know what the acronym stands for? Uh, no. The, the Bureau <laughs> of Organized Terrorism Intervention. I, I, I knew that it was explained in here. I would have had to find it. Probably because <laughs> the Association of Secret Spies would be crass. <laughs> um, and it had the bonus of um, Franco Francovilla art on the cover. <laughs> it, it is, in a lot of ways, a very... Uh, kind of pulpy story. It is. It uh, more, is more more 70s black exploitation, sort of by way of 70s superheroes and yeah spy stories. But it's cool though. It, it's just, <laughs> I mean, you you're following the story, and she's got like a no kill policy. <laughs> well, that's a, this is much more. You know, despite the the James Bond name check on the cover. Uh, this is a superhero story. Lady Danger is a superhero. She's got a secret identity. Yeah. She's bulletproof or at least can catch bullets. She's got a secret airplane, the Danger Zet Jet or the, <laughs> or the Danger Plane. So the whole thing sort of has a very 70s era Wonder Woman kind of feel. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's just, it's cool. It, she 
it, it is so 70s though like you, you just look I, at this outfit she's wearing like this sort of like half hoodie what's well, it goes out of it, bearing <laughs> it goes out of its way to give it a 70s veal although the, the book i think is it's pretty clear it takes place now now yeah no people have uh, talk about text messages uh talk about gentrification of uh of their neighborhoods although that's gone on forever but um but you've got this guy who's who is just a, a comical stereotype of a of a 70s or 60s asian villain <laughs> oh yeah he, he's 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 fu manchu he by the way of the 70s he's fong ah chan yeah and his shaolin shock troops who who are all these scantily dressed ladies and i'm seeing under boob and side boob and boob on boob and <laughs> oh yeah and he, he's got his mobile throne room that looks straight out of mad max fury road yeah giant marshall stacks on it and you know this this glorious fight scene between lady danger and and the shaolin shock troops i, I can barely say it it's just so fucking comical you know, yeah. with with rose petals drifting through the air <laughs> oh yeah and it has an appropriate level of just sort of ridiculousness yeah yeah, the the shock troops saying we're not attacking you one by one. Do we look stupid to you? <laughs> yeah, and just yeah, the ridiculous Chuck Norris level kung fu weapons. You know, the giant mace with a bell on the end. And when she chucks that dude, he just just screams, "Yo, come back! I fight you. Vengeance will be mine." As he flies away, it was pretty nice. Yeah. So you know, she goes through this whole thing. She she wins the day. She saves the handsome doctor. She gets home and is defeated by a roofie. So <laughs> yeah, in a real creepy, rapey kind of way. Yeah. Um, but it, it's something different. If you're if you're looking for a book that just doesn't look like it takes itself too seriously, that that is just fun. <laughs> yeah, and it's. While this particular, the biggest issue that I had with this one, and it's really kind of minor because I can already see things starting to come together. We really, we got three or four different things playing out at once in this. We got Rochelle's home life. Rochelle is is Lady Danger. Yeah. Uh, We've got uh, side characters, Kevin and Paco, and Kevin's infatuation with Rochelle. Yeah, we've got the battle with the warlord. We got the battle between Booty and the CIA for control and funding. Yeah. We've got this impending cultural battle with the hipsters for the neighborhood over gentrification. It, it, it makes things feel a little bit diffuse. But like I said, you can already see these things starting to pull together. So in, in upcoming issues, I'm hoping it feels a little more self-contained, a yeah. little more well, focused. I, I think I think there was a lot of world building that they were trying to squeeze in to this issue yeah it was not diffused to the point of by no means to the point of i don't know what's going on it was very clear what was happening where and how it all tied together it just felt like a lot of stuff going on but like i said you can already tell toward the end all right all these things are starting to come together yeah so i don't think it's going to be a problem beyond this issue i think pretty soon we'll start seeing how everything interrelates yeah now but again just if people are looking for something fun that is a change of pace (laughs) Yeah, and it's it, it's weird. When I was in college, I, I had a roommate who was heavily into black exploitation movies, and this is back before the internet or DVD. So he had shit that he found on VHS. So we would get hammered and watch Shaft and Superfly <laughs> and fucking Dolomite. We even watched, the night before I graduated, we watched Blackula for Christ's really? sake. Really? <laughs> so I have kind of a soft spot for this kind of story. And there's enough groundwork 
for this to become. This is very much an international scope story, but there's enough groundwork for the old school black exploitation single hero defending the neighborhood from outside forces and gentrification. Now, yeah, we saw that shit in Black Dynamite, but there's a reason Black Dynamite hooked on to it. You see that thing over and over again. So I get a soft spot for stories like this. Yeah. I, I had fun with it. I, I think you had more fun with it than I did, but I certainly enjoyed it. And it's going to be a short arc. It's, this is part one. Um, it's going to wrap up in part two next month. But here's here's where in-house advertising works. Because after reading the book, there were little blurbs on the bottom, which were not particularly intrusive, uh, where they talk about other books. A faceless killer hunts British spy Rupert Kane when he faces up to mysteries from his past. Noir thriller Smoke Ashes awaits. Like It's at the bottom. It's not in your face. Well, that's, that's also a way to make it feel 70s, because Marvel Comics did that all through the yeah. 70s. Matt Fraction did it in his Defenders as sort of a, a callback. Right. And so... So if if this book grabbed you at all and you liked the idea of these sort of grindhouse takes on comic stories, then you've got, all right, well, I wonder what else is out there that I could read. Oh, The Dangerotic Mission of Svetlana Snow. You have my interest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, say it's slower and sexier. From the frozen irradiated wastes of Chernobyl to the mean streets of Hollywood, USA. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She's cold as Russian winter and hot as a nuclear meltdown. <laughs> Let's start it! Let's start it. And then turning the page, they put her in danger, so she put them dead in the ground. From the director of Sex Castle. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like come on. All right. I'll, I'll, I'm going to buy them. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that advertising worked for yeah. you. See? The little one-liners... Google ad style, if you will. At the bottom of the page, advertising your own shit. Yeah. And some ads in the back. But unobtrusive. It's there if I want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> That's I don't disagree with you. I agree with you completely. I like what Image does and what Dark Horse does because this was uh, the Grindhouse is it's Dark uh, Horse. It's an imprint of Dark Horse. Yeah. So yeah, I like what they do with their advertising. So I'm with you. All right. That said, Twix butt plugs, everybody. <laughs> Official sponsor. <laughs> All right, one more fun one. One more fun and one. And then we'll we'll wrap it up. How are we doing on time? Um Well, we were doing all right. It's like an hour and thirty five. Wow, this one came in early. I, I thought with all the topics we had it would go longer, but <laughs> <laughs> all right. it's possible that we, we ran out of steam with such intense hatred for the half page ad concept that we may not have spent as much time as we thought we were initially going to on convergence. That's possible. <laughs> I think we hit everything though. Also except the- Fuck you, Twix. <laughs> Except this one last book. God damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the best Secret Wars book possibly so far, because it really has nothing whatsoever to do with Secret Wars as far as I can tell. Yeah. Uh, Where Monsters Dwell, number one. Oh, this book is glorious. Yeah. Written by Garth Ennis, art by Russ Braun. Uh, yeah, we got a douchebag World War One pilot. He accepts a charter from a pretty girl, escapes an attack by angry Mongolians. <laughs> Uh, gets some heavy weather, winds up in the Savage Land or some such shit because there are pterodactyls, I guess. Yeah. Among other things. Among other things. So, yeah. This might as... It's a Secret Wars book. It says Secret Wars on the uh, cover page. Otherwise, this might as well not have a thing to do with Secret Wars. There's no mention of Battleworld. There's no mention of Doctor Doom or the Thor Corps or anything else. Now, this might as well just take place in the Pacific at any point 
in 1930s-ish, 20s-ish Marvel history. This feels like it could be happening at around the same time as Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah, (laughs) and and that's part of the fun. It's an old-school, pulpy aviation adventure, which is certainly not a thing we've not seen before in other media, but... It's it's been a while since it's been done, right? With this much fun, with this much of just a prick. It's... Oh, and he is, he is. Yeah. <laughs> now the weird thing is, Ennis has written this character before. Okay, he wrote it in 2008's War Is Hell, uh, the first flight of the Phantom Eagle, which I was bagging and boarding some comics today, and according to my database, I own it. Oh, okay. Uh, it has not stuck in my head in any meaningful way. Um. And it turns out I did some research. Phantom Eagle, it's an existing Marvel character that debuted in the 60s. Okay. Uh, it was created by Gary Friedrich and Herb Trimp. And <laughs> it's, and he, except he was, by God, the, the Phantom Eagle, and he had a glorious cape and luchador mask. Really? Oh, as all the famous military pilots did. Wow. Right up through Vietnam. <laughs> That's when they uh, not only learned that chicks hate wrestling, but they can smell a man with VD, no matter how much he <laughs> covers up the shankers with a luchador mask. Oh. Oh. I ruin things. You ruin things. But, but... All right, that was a terrible aside. But <laughs> look, Garth Ennis writes spectacular war comics. He does. He also writes spectacular war comics that are mixed with other genres. The most recent one I can think of is Stitched, the modern war comic set in the Middle East. It's basically Black Hawk Down versus Zombies. His Born miniseries, which was basically a Vietnam War comic about Frank Castle, Mm -hmm. where Castle basically in a terrible situation kind of sells his soul to death or the devil or something to Mm. keep him safe and make him a creature of war. But it also sort of implies that's what doomed him to become the Punisher. Yeah. So he's he's really good at war stories mixed with genres. And which this certainly is. Second, he writes spectacular just bastards. Yes, uh if 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 you've not read The Boys. <laughs> oh yeah, Billy Butcher, Hair Star, Tommy Monahan from Hitman. His run on Hellblazer. I he cut his first writing job in comics was Judge Dredd, who is arguably the biggest bastard in comics history. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So here we get both a <laughs> genre war comic with just a real prick, just a glorious. Oh, we we son open of a bitch. with he's knocked up the princess of some Polynesian island <laughs> and promises to marry her and flies off in a plane rather than go to actually ask for her hand in marriage of her father condemning her to a life on dung island exiled <laughs> from her tribe and, and, and then uh, he goes and then he goes and and he's telling his planes mechanic about it he's like because when am i ever going to be back there you know like, <laughs> yeah it, it's a five-page sequence and the princess is clearly so happy and believes him while we can see through the window he gets in his plane then <laughs> flies away it just it takes five pages and he literally abandons her yeah. to a life of exile on the island of Dung. <laughs> Apparently, he's getting her a gig as DC Comics advertising manager. <laughs> Thank you, folks. I'll be here all week. But, I, but seriously, it's over the top. It's kind of cartoony. Yeah. But yeah, it's five page and a single word balloon. And that's all we need to know about what kind of person Kaufman is. 
even right. if you've never read War is Hell, which as far as the parts of my brain I've pickled, I haven't, <laughs> whether you have any idea who, who the Phantom Eagle is, you know this guy. And it's not, it's funny, which is, uh, it's funny if you got the right mean-spirited sense of humor, which I yeah. do. Yeah, I think that helps. But, and it's also, it goddamn guarantees that by the end of this series, we're going to see Kaufman back on that island being chased by that girl's fucking father. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and, and so he, he gets a certain level of comeuppance even within the book because, you know, he thinks he's this smooth-talking ladies' man who's, you know, got it all under control, and then he meets this woman who is the seemingly helpless damsel in distress who needs a ride. Oh, yeah. But then it turns out that she knows more about the plane than he does. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's old school pulp where yeah, yeah. You, you get that kind of, oh, she seems like a bimbo, but, you know, she's some battle-hearted and secret agent. Yeah. You know, she knows planes and machine guns. So, yeah, I mean, it's, we're going to see repeatedly, at least for a while, this cad who thinks he's in control, but he's constantly in over his head yeah. while this woman keeps him alive and they constantly argue because he thinks he's got the answers, but he de- he's the Jack Burton of the skies. Exactly. He, Thank you. All right. He thinks he knows his shit. He's the hero of this story as far as he's concerned, but he's constantly kept alive. And it's, it's just kind of yeah. an awesome introduction. People now it, have to save his ass. Now it's arguably misogynistic but, uh, but you know the thing is like i said it's, it's balanced because he acts like a tool up front to this one girl but you know this other one is gonna keep him in line over various portions of the rest of the story well yeah and the point i was gonna make is it's okay to have a story where a character is misogynist and clearly kaufman is yeah but yeah with the with the trade-off on a what was the name dotty's character i think so uh yeah it's a, you know it's gonna Clemmy, rather. Clemmy. Clemmy. I wrote it down over here. Um, well, no, I think you, you can have a, a character who behaves badly. The hope would be that the actions of the story would bear out why it's a poor choice to be a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, also, part of her last name is Cox. <laughs> now, which doesn't seem like it means anything, but considering Ennis goes out of his way to give us a character called No Balls. Yeah, No Balls Tong. Yeah, it, it's safe to say Ennis means for names to have meaning. So I, I think we'll see Clemmy easily standing up yeah. to Kaufman. Um, that said, Kaufman's a funny fucking foil. Yeah, it's he's Jack Burton. Right. Except more of a dick. Oh, yeah. I mean, as as No Balls um, approaches his, his propeller plane, saying, Death to the purveyor of discount Jellignite. <laughs> I haven't heard Jellignite since, like... V for Vendetta, I think. Well, for for me, I don't think I've heard it since um, Tom Baker, Doctor Who. Jellignite <laughs> was constantly, like... <laughs> the the one I wrote down was Death to the Sky Pig who soars on wings of deceit. Yeah. <laughs> Either one of those. I think I got a new epitaph for my tombstone. <laughs> I'm changing the will. So, but what you what you see just barely off panel is that Kaufman is willing to ride his plane over no balls, and then he says, "Ha ha ha, sayonara, no head." Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's just a cock, and just the overall idea of the story, World One machinery against dinosaurs is fucking awesome. Oh yeah, and it's classic. It's as old as fucking King Kong. And uh, last week, I know you didn't watch it on. Svengoolie, the land unknown, which was... I saw parts of it. Yeah, the land of uh, helicopters and modern weaponry versus dinosaurs. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. The idea of modern weaponry versus dinosaurs. Yeah. It became a classic thing back in the 
20s and 30s, except at the time it was, oh, the best we have is, uh, well, airplanes and uh, it's an island from before time. There's a reason why Land of the Lost was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and these days it's, okay, it's automatic weapons and helicopters, uh, except instead of an island, it's genetic engineering and it's Jurassic World and it'll open at $100 million. Exactly. It's a classic pulp thing. And... It's got Garth and his big, broad fucking characters, and more importantly, at least with the way I felt, except for a couple of books, like Old Man Logan I liked, but with a couple of exceptions, it's got nothing to do with Secret Wars. I am for this. Yeah, at least so far it's got nothing to do with Secret Wars. Yeah. So so that'll be the thing. How does Ennis tie this in? I don't care. (laughs) I'm not sure Marvel cares. You got Garth Ennis swinging in his wheelhouse both story and character wise you let him fucking swing yeah no i i don't disagree i just i'm I'm curious seeing the thor core is not going to add a goddamn thing to this story that i can think of yeah and you know having him run into god emperor doom oh it's gonna ruin the thing let him run (laughs) let him fucking let him do his thing god shine on you crazy angry irish prick (laughs) All right. Anything else on the book? No, or? it's just it's it was it was fun to read. I'm I'm always overjoyed when I come across things in the pull list or, that just turn out to be fun. Like not that we have books that aren't fun, but given what we've been saying about Battle World and Secret Wars and the slog, <laughs> yeah, it, it's felt like a slog. Yeah. So you know this this week has was was fun. Um, Old Man Logan was less fun, but it was a nice return to form. It was nice, not, not that we're going to review that per se, but it was nice to see Bendis writing some characters that we haven't seen for a while. Yeah. And I liked the reveal of of Luke and Jessica's daughter. <laughs> yeah. That was a neat bonus. Yeah, no, I like that one. That That's the other tricky part. We get so many books, because literally, to, to do this show... Yeah, I've told the the owner of our local comic store, give me all the Secret Wars books. And the sad thing is I haven't gotten all of them. We we try to, we triage them every <laughs> Wednesday. What's the most likely to look cool or interesting because of the story or the title or we like the author or it's getting a lot of press. So there's still a few I need to go through. Yeah, but, and that's and that's how we end up with things like Lady Danger, Agent of Booty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> all right. So is that it? Yes. From now on, I'm going to plan for multiple subjects and more books than normal, because apparently when I do that, we come in with a shorter show than usual. I think we were being somewhat more mindful of time. Yeah, that's true. And we were distracted by the little guy Parker earlier. No, that's true. Who who has since, uh, under cover of darkness, since uh, there are no cameras here, uh, he's been put out. He, he got the slow flight. <laughs> he got the slow flight out the door, and uh, now he's trying to dig underneath it. So why don't we wrap things up? <laughs> so... Don't know where you found this show, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. You can find us on Facebook. There's a link to our Facebook page on our home site. We certainly get messages from there and try to put messages out. Um, So if you want to get in touch with us, that is a good way to do it. We are on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is... What's our Twitter handle? I forgot it again. At Infinite Midlife. At Infinite Midlife. God, you make me so angry. (laughs) He was wrong and you knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Um, uh, we are on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can email us at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. 
We are on TuneIn Radio. We are on iTunes. If you happen to find the show through there, do us a favor, shoot us a review, give us a rating, helps people find the show. And by God, we just like hearing from listeners. Say it we every do. week, but we really do. So feel free to get in touch with us. We get a we get a kick out of it, and we like some of the suggestions that we get. Unless your Twix is legal, we don't want to hear from you. That's right, and we we have no need for Twix butt plugs. So no. please, no coupons you may have received. We really don't need those. We're sorry about the Groupon. <laughs> we are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network, but perhaps not for much longer. <laughs> and I think that is it. This has been episode 73 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening, and Derp. Fuck you, Twix. <laughs>